Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? De Niro will be here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, we're here with Antonella Pisani. Antonella is the founder and CEO of Dallas-based Eiffel Media, a digital marketing and consulting firm focused on performance marketing and digital strategy for mid-market companies. Eiffel Media has been ranked in the top 11% on the Inc. 5000 list for the past two years as one of the fastest growing privately held companies in America. It was also named in 2022 on the Adweek list of fastest growing agencies. I'm very excited to talk about business with Antonella, so let's get right into it. Antonella, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? Doing great. So nice to meet you. For sure, for sure. So I ask every single one of my guests to tell me why they become why they became an entrepreneur. So what is your story? Yeah, for sure. So I've been in digital since 96, started out as a web designer and worked uh, worked for the university as my, wet, my work study job for a couple of years pretty early in. And uh, my career kind of took me through web analytics, digital marketing, e-commerce general management, all on the corporate side, working for, for large companies like Fossil Watches, JCPenney, Guitar Center. And, you know, a lot of what I found there was culture and values that just didn't really align. And it wasn't necessarily the situation or environment that allowed me to do my best work. And so I thought I was just going to go off and consult by myself. And, um, you know, six years later, here we are with, with a pretty big team all through word of mouth. And, you know, being able to build a business that really aligned with the types of people I wanted to bring in, the culture, the values, um, and just creating a really cool environment for people to to work in and thrive in. So that's kind of how I got here. That's amazing. And so I find that this is uh, a lot of people's stories. They started with with an actual quote unquote nine to five job, and then they found that that was not the good fit a good fit for them. Uh, so can you tell us how then? So once you made the switch, you said that a majority of a business came from word of mouth. Can you tell our listeners, first off, what you specialize in with your agency? And uh, and then I'm going to have a couple of follow-up questions from there. Yeah, sure thing. So we focus on digital marketing and digital strategy, primarily for mid-market businesses. So we define that as anywhere from about 15 and 20 million up to a couple hundred million. We've worked with companies that are multi-billion dollar companies, and we work with smaller ones as well, if it's the right fit. But generally, we are pretty pragmatic. We're working on paid search, SEO, paid social, copywriting, and a lot of um, digital transformation as well. So usually companies that come to us have maybe either stalled out or flatlined. They're not quite sure where to go next, uh, or they've had a hard time with some of the you know bigger kind of more traditional digital marketing agencies that use a lot of junior talent. And so they come to us for a little bit more of a, a boutique experience. Um, you know, it started out six years ago, it was a lot more just e-commerce consulting because it just was me. 
right? And that's what I had been doing for for a little while was more of that kind of higher level leadership in e-commerce. But as we've grown and scaled, it's shifted a lot more to the digital marketing services. Okay, that's amazing. And so let's take a, uh, take us back to when you started. You said you were alone. You were doing e-commerce consulting, which is fantastic, six years ago. Um, I I want to understand, like, how were you able to pierce into such a, you know, such big companies? I mean, like you're talking about mid-market, but still they're, they're much bigger than what your agency was initially. Right. So what, what are maybe one or two tips that you can give our listeners, uh, on how to, you know, get, you know, their name out there, even though they are solopreneurs, even though they're just getting started. Yeah. So for me, a lot of it, you know, obviously I had a, a good background coming in, just having worked at some of those bigger businesses. Um, part of what was going on is I actually took a year off to travel and I was working on my own website. And so consulting was just going to be a means to an end to, to support me a little bit more as I was building a site. And what happened was a friend of mine um, who runs a much larger agency sits on the advisory board of a company and that company had just lost their e-commerce manager. And he just said, Hey, can you help him out? And that was the beginning. Uh, and so, you know, I think one, one podcast that I, I heard one day was talking about this concept of like an inverse funnel. And, you know, I think this is an interesting concept for, for your listeners here, which was instead of worrying about, you know, as a business owner filling the top of the funnel, really treat your customers and your client exceptionally well and let them spread the word for you, right? And so kind of over deliver. And, and I can still remember sitting in a coffee house working on my very first proposal. I had no idea what I was doing, right? Because I'd come from corporate. I'd never worked for an agency or consulting firm. And, you know, I totally over delivered, right? I, I shared a lot of ideas in the proposal. And, you know, I think there's a lot of um, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, people starting out in consulting, and they feel like they have to keep everything close to the vest, right? And not reveal anything. And that doesn't necessarily build trust. And so, you know, in part, because maybe I didn't know what I was doing, I, I shared a lot of ideas and was like, hey, this is kind of broken, and this needs help, and this needs help. And I think what it did was it quickly created a trusted relationship, and it yeah. allowed them to understand like, okay, hold on, I can see these things, these things really are uh, in need of help. And so I do need to bring someone in. And so I think, you know, it really started with that one relationship. Um, and so I think that if you have the confidence in your abilities and, and don't feel like you have to keep everything a total secret, right. It's, it's much like the, you know, this conversation, right. Feeling comfortable and being open and talking about what, you know, and, you know, writing content and sharing things. I think it just, that's something that can help unlock conversations because uh, you're creating value for the other person very quickly. Absolutely. I, I love this concept. Never heard about this specific, you know, name of, you know, of what you were saying right now uh, of the, what, what do you call it? The the reverse funnel you said? Yeah. Like an invert, like an yeah. inverted funnel, basically. Yeah, inverted funnel. yeah. I never really like call it that way, but it makes so much sense. And one thing that I also want to remind our listeners at home is that even though you are sharing that knowledge, a lot of the business owners are busy. They're not going to put that into action themselves. They'll still need you. But the fact that you were able to open up and give that information upfront is really what you said. It builds trust, which is very important. Um, now I want to, yeah, sure. they, they don't have the staff to go get this done, yeah. right? Like they need your help to go execute 
I think it's just getting that idea through. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to do shift gears for a second here. And I want to talk about um, building teams. So back to six years ago, you were alone. Now you scaled the business. Uh, can you take us through the process of hiring your first few um, assistants or, or people that were helping you? First off, what did you hire first? And then what in the second and third round of hiring, like, did you have operations managers to manage your team members? How did you structure your business? Yeah. So one thing I should share is where we're a little bit different than than most agencies out there is we only use senior level talent and we don't use account managers at all. So the average years of digital experience on our team is 13 years. Um, it's a very different profile than a lot of the agencies that might have a very thin layer of more senior folks. And then they've got a lot of folks fresh out of school or they have two years. And so what the way that everything evolved was initially it was me and then it was me and contractors. So what would happen is as you're having these trusted conversations with clients, they go, well, you're telling us, you know, our paid search isn't very good. Do you have someone that can help us with that? And so those first rounds for the first, probably like three and a half years, maybe even longer, it was a lot of contractors, but it was people either I had worked with in the past or referred by someone that I already trusted. And it was, people that didn't need a lot of that hands-on management, right? So we never had the concept of like virtual assistants or, or you know, junior labor uh, to kind of help me out or anything like that. It was very specialized senior level folks that could come in, hit the ground running, didn't need all of the guidance. And so that was a lot of, I think, how we were able to scale. It was just, it was very differentiated experience, right? And so um, I think the first several folks, it was paid search, uh, paid social, things like that, just because that's what the clients needed. Um, and then another kind of digital strategist to help out that that really knows a lot of Shopify and just e-commerce general practices, um, things like that. The first full-time hire was, uh, I think, an SEO senior manager. Um, SEO was one of the very few things I was still doing hands-on from kind of a, you know, digital marketing perspective. And yeah. so I needed to get myself out of that so that I could focus on on business development and other things. Absolutely. The interesting thing that you talked about right now is the fact that when you hire someone that is senior, uh, you may be thinking, oh, it's going to cost me more. But in the long run, what I found in my business as well is that these folks don't need as much handholding as, you know, actually don't need any handholding at all most times. Like, they're, of course... You do want to manage them. It's still part of someone, part of your business, but they're going to make less mistakes. They're not going to need, you know, daily help and constant um, reminders of what to do and what not to do. So in the long run, you're going to save time inside your business. And like you said, your clients are going to love the experience because they are working with someone they understand that they're working with someone that actually has that experience that they need to, to grow their business. Um, and so now I want to ask you, like, are you working fully remote or are, do you have a, uh, an office? So how did you structure uh, your business? Yeah, so we're 100% remote. We've got folks in, I think, 16 states, 23 cities. Um, Dallas is where we have the most people, but Dallas is a big location. And so People are spread throughout. We we toyed with the idea of an office very briefly and then decided against it and instead just fly people out on occasion to get together. Um, you know, I think that, that 
that coming together is still important. We don't do it as often as I'd like to, even in Dallas. But for example, two weeks from now, um, there's like six of us going to volunteer together. And that's more much more meaningful than having someone just to come into an office and sit next to each other and, and work independently. So for me, you know, the fact that <clears throat> it started out with a lot of contractors, that naturally was going to be remote, I yeah. think, because I was trying to find the best people. And as we kept going, it really became around just finding the very best talent that we could find um, and people that aligned with our, our culture and values. And so, you know, it's, um, it certainly causes some complexities. You want to have really good finance support behind you when you have employees in this many states, but yeah. it's, uh, it's worked really well for us so far. Absolutely. Now, I, there's a lot to unpack here. The first thing that I want to uh, to uh, address is what you said about finding the best talent. And when you are working only locally in an office, people are only willing to travel so far to go to work. Maybe it's a 30 to 40 kilometer radius. Some people will do maybe 50, but that's really insane sometimes to think about it. But other than that, you can't really look for talent too far out. And so, like you said, so many states, so many cities, you're going to look for those A players. You're not looking for someone I can just can drive to work. So that's the first thing that I think it's very important for our listeners at home to understand that that's one of the reasons why a lot of businesses go and uh, in, in scale remotely instead of having an office. The second thing that you said is, uh, which really stood out to me, was the fact that you guys are going to go and volunteer together, and that's actually the follow-up question that I had for you. Um, it's hard to build a culture when you have a remote business. So, can you give our listeners one or two tips on how to make sure that their uh, team is, you know, is cohesive, even though they may be spread all over, uh, you know, the state or the country? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it comes down to the definition of culture. And I'm going to steal a line from, uh, she was the old head of HR for Pro Flowers, which was one of my favorite places that I did work um, and had an exceptional culture. And she just said, culture is how we treat each other every day. And, you know, I think there's a lot of companies that think culture is, you know, it's it's the keg, it's playing ping pong together, it's doing whatever. And, and that's not really what culture is. And so I think that the biggest thing is is truly leading by example. And, you know, for us, humility is probably the strongest value. Yeah. And that opens the door for people to be vulnerable and ask for help and, you know, laugh together, uh, a lot of those things. And so I think, you know, one thing that we've done really well is one of the very first things that new hires see is here's our vision, our values, our mission, or, you know, exactly what's expected of you in terms of how you interact. Um, yeah. You know, I think as a tip, one thing um, we use a performance management solution called 15.5 that's been really, really fantastic for us. Um, gratitude is actually one of our, our core values. And so one thing that it has, which we absolutely love and has been, I think, kind of a cultural game changer is they have a feature called high fives okay. and it interacts with Slack. And it's basically an opportunity for colleagues to give each other props and give mm -hmm. each other compliments and you know mm -hmm. it's very organic and throughout the day you just you see people giving each other compliments whether it's on something big they did or something small they did and I think that when you have that as kind of a foundation like something like gratitude or purpose it, yeah. it opens up a lot more room for collaboration and 
those are the things that I think make up culture. So, you know, I think we've over invested uh, if, you know, for our size of company into technology like that, just because we see so much value. Um, what I mean by over invested is a lot of companies of our size wouldn't go buy, you know, performance management solutions. But, you know, I think that um, especially if you do have a remote business, you really get to choose what you invest in. And for right. us, it's people expense and it's software, right? Like we're not paying a bunch of money for a flashy building. Yeah. And so look for those things that you think can can make a difference culturally. Um, yes. You know, a lot of communication does happen through Slack. Um, I think transparency is really, really important to build yeah. culture in remote environments. So, you know, in our all hands, we share finance information and really help people understand, like, how's the business doing? Because I think you miss out on a lot of that when you're not just walking around an office together. But um, I think the big thing is just really define what culture means to you and your business and then look for ways to support it. Absolutely. You said something that really resonated with me and I'm sure that it's resonating with everybody at home listening. The fact that a lot of people think, oh, because a business is remote, I don't have to spend a lot of money you know, running it and, and, you know, because I don't have an office and when I have rent to pay and all that stuff. Uh, at the same time, I feel like it's the same bias that people used to have 10, 15 years ago when, you know, they saw online businesses and they think, oh, a website, how much is a website going to cost? You know, it's not like a, a brick and mortar store. Like people used to think, well, if it's something is tangible, you can touch it, you can move it, then it costs money. If it's online, well, it's online. It's probably not going to cost that much. And every time I'm having this conversation, a website's going to cost money, even though it's not made out of bricks. <laughs> uh, and, and they find that there's still this bias, but a lot of people that go from having an office to, to actually going online and then realizing, oh gosh, I have to spend money money on, you know, communication tools, project management tools, and all these things that uh, are super important, even in an office, but even more so when you have a remote business. Um, Tanala, I wanted to ask you if there's anything exciting that you want to share with our audience about something that's coming down the pike, maybe in the near future that you want to share with our audience to get us excited? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's that's cool, and for, for folks listening to this, who obviously are hungry for knowledge, we're just writing a lot more. Um, I would say we've kind of flown under the radar for the last six years and just investing a lot more time to sharing what we know openly and publicly, kind of like how we started the conversation of trying to create value out there. So um, would love any feedback. And, and if folks are interested in learning more, they can check out our blog, I'm trying to share some stuff out on LinkedIn as well. But that's something that we're very excited about. I think we're all very passionate about what we do and, and the things that we've learned and just trying to share a little bit more out there. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm sure that our listeners will want to read more about uh, your your stories and, and your knowledge on your blog. And actually that takes me to the last question. Where can people find you online, Antonella? Yeah, for me, uh, LinkedIn, certainly. Antonella Pisani. And then um, on our website, it's E-Y-E-F-U-L. M-E-D-I-A, eiffelmedia.com. All right. Fantastic. Again, I'm sure that our listeners will want to check out more about what you guys do. And I'm very happy that we were able to connect today. And I'm looking forward to having you back on the show in the future. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? 
can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at B. D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B, and I will send you the direct link to the review section. And to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again, and I will talk to you again soon.